This Tome Show production is supported by listeners like you. Keep using the affiliate links for Amazon and dndclassics.com and support the show while you shop. Welcome to the News Desk. Once a month, we get together to chat about the latest news in D&D, and I'm your host, Sam Dillon. And I sent Jeff Greiner over to the city of Brass. Actually, I bargained him and sacrificed him so that I could get Randall back. So Randall's here with me. (laughs) We're totally taking over the show, Jeff. (laughs) Tonight, uh, Jeff is not with us. He has a previous engagement that he had already committed to. So Randall and I are here by ourselves, and I'm going to talk about what's coming up in March and April, and then we're going to talk about the D&D Next news, just like normal. So one thing that just got released on the 19th of this month is the Dungeons of Dread hardcover collection of four classic standalone adventures. That's the S series. How many of those did you play? I played through all of them. Yeah. I played through three out of the four. I bet you never did the last caverns, Lost Caverns of Sarge Camp. I never did. Yep. So, eh, you know, that's okay. But I do have the hardcover. It's beautiful. It's very nicely done. I I, I ordered it uh, and got it in two-day shipping from Amazon, so it's it's very nice. It looks beautiful sitting on my shelf, um, and I'm very happy with it. I think it's pretty... I think it's a terrible way to present those four modules. <laughs> um, and the reason I say that is because those modules, because of their often complicated encounters and, and details, you almost want the map laid out next to you while you're reading the text. Well, that's and, what – and so my thing was also, you know, those modules came with the flip books in the back for you to show right. the players certain certain pictures all which the art, were, yeah. were half-page pictures, and those are all bound together, and the maps are all bound together, and and they didn't reprint the covers. Oh, weird! Inside yeah. of it, so yeah. um, that I think they should. I think they should have reprinted the cover. You know, it, even if I mean, not thick cardstock in terms of the cover, but reprint the actual. You know what the cover looked like, but you know it's still a beautiful book. And I mean, I have good all the collector's yeah, item. It's a good collector's. I have all the books. Yeah. I, I would use the actual module, the original module. But you know, if someone doesn't have those modules and and doesn't uh, doesn't have a way to get those and is afraid to go on eBay because you never know kind of the quality of what you're going to get and how badly abused it's been because right, these right. are those are some pretty old modules. Um, it's a nice it's a nice little book. It's very beautifully done. Um, and then uh, what else is being released? The uh, Last Threshold, the latest R.A. Salvatore book, got released in uh, three different formats, audio format, regular book format, and ebook format. And um, cool. they and they are releasing the uh, D&D 3.5 premium reprint of the Spell Compendium. That is being released in April. I think the release date is mid-April. And there's yeah, an that's ed- another yeah. Anyone who plays yeah. the three five or even Pathfinder yeah. right now, that's that's a must have. That's a great book. Yeah, it's a nice book. It's it was a good choice to to reprint that. Um, and then also, of course, as we know, they decided to reprint the second edition rule books, the the DMG and the Player's Handbook and the Monster Manual, and right. they they now have mockups of the covers on the D and D catalog page, and I think they're beautiful. I, I think the cover looks really good. 
So I think they're doing they're trying to do a really good job and, and make these reprints something that people will actually want to look at. So it's a good deal. Yeah, I think as collectors editions, I think you're right on track they're right on track there. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So those aren't actually technically released until May. And then the last one I'll talk last two that I'll talk about is of course the A series, which we've been hearing about forever. That's getting released in uh, in June, and then they also have told us that they are going to release the Magic Item Compendium for the 3.5 edition in, oh, wow. in July. Yeah, so they're, they're, that's a that's a relatively recent uh, an announcement. So there's not even a mock-up of the cover up there for that, and uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that because that and the Spell Compendium, you know, those those are helpful things. If you play third edition D and D or Pathfinder. You're uh, you're gonna really like those books, I think. So that magic item book's got to be like what New York City phone book thickness, right? Yeah, Jeez, I right. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I I don't know what it's gonna end up looking like, but yeah, a four point would, a so. four point micro dot font. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. You need your your massive magnifying telescope to <laughs> to look it comes at. Comes with it. a magnifying page. Yeah. You just flip over each one. You exactly. Have to have that. Exactly. Um, And so that's all for the for the upcoming releases. I mean, it's exciting stuff. You know, Um, uh, there's probably stuff I don't know about because I'm more on the RPG side. I'm not as as big into the novels or into the board games. Uh, I know there's the whole dungeon command and all that stuff is really popular right now. Uh, And I think it's doing really well. So, you know, uh, I'm not announcing that stuff, but people who are up on that are. Probably already know about it, so. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. And so now for D&D Next News. What do you got for me, Randall? Well, um, as everyone probably knows, if you're paying attention at all to the news, a new packet was released this month. The new playtest packet has the biggest news in it is that it has a bunch of new characters. We get to playtest the Druid, the Paladin, and I'll tell you more about the Paladin here in a minute, The ra- and the Ranger. Um, cool thing about the Paladin is the class actually takes into account three different alignments of um, the way people have played paladins in the past. There's a, uh, a good paladin, which is called a cavalier, a evil paladin, which is called a blackguard, and a neutral paladin, which is called a warden. Um, this is pretty close to the way I have always seen envisioned the paladin, except for the fact that I would have probably called the class cavalier instead. And made the good um, paladin. I mean, made the good character called uh, a paladin. The other two are why, fine. Why or, is that? Um, paladin to me has always been a good character, and you know, to me it just changed. I mean, cavalier is okay, but to me, cavalier is the, is the more general term, and paladin is a more specific term, which is more alignment related. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I actually think when I think of Cavalier, I think more of the swashbuckling, uh, sword fighty paladin who has a good heart but isn't necessarily driven by some sort of faith based. You know, my, my tr- the traditional paladin, which is more faith based. Right. Cavalier doesn't really evoke that for me because of what I associate the word Cavalier with. Uh, right or wrong. I mean, I, you know, whatever. Right. But so I sort of agree with you there. I think they should have made the class a different name maybe and and then, you know, had the subclasses paladin would be the good the good aligned. Right. Or even better, I would have called it a knight. Mhm. The class a knight and then would have called the paladin the good class, the cavalier the neutral class and the blackguard the evil one. 
You know, the, I think the problem with that, though, is that is that then um, the evil one doesn't have. So once again, it's the whole faith based thing, right? If right. you're an anti paladin, if you're a knight, that doesn't the word knight doesn't really evoke. The oh, faith, I don't the black knight. Oh, I think so. Well, yeah, but except it's not a necessary requirement, right? To be a knight, you're not necessarily. Well, that's why the knight is the general term, because knights came in all kinds of alignments. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you look at the round table, I mean, they yeah, were you're a right. mess. Yeah, they were. They were, they were all chaotic, that's true. <laughs> well, a lot of them were. I mean, but, you know, you talk about the green knight, the black knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're right, you're right, you're right. You're maybe, maybe knight, because I definitely, I, I, I would lean more towards a knight than cavalier, for sure. You're right. Interesting, exactly. yeah. Because what you talk about is a guy that likes to put on his armor. Who upholds a code usually of some kind, mm-hmm. whether that's yep. a locally appropriate code or some more general, you know, sense. chivalrous, yeah, chivalry, just general exactly. yeah, um, is is also usually attached to some kind of um, you know royal function, maybe. Um, not always. You can have landless knights and things that roam around, you know, much like samurai, which is basically right. the same thing. But but yeah, you know, and I just think that uh, they should have gone with a more generic term for the class. And then use the specific paladin as the good version of that class. So, um, unfortunately, I haven't played any of these classes. Um, they, I've read through some of them, and they look like they're pretty decent. Um, I haven't got a chance to read. They had pushed, published the druid, and then like turned around like two days later and said, "Oh, we updated the druid." <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And so I need to go back and um, and look at that. But one of the cool things that they do is they wild shape from the beginning in a limited way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're immediately be able to, you can immediately glom onto that, um, that very iconic power that druids have, and that's to be able to change it to an animal shape. And right. it's limited, of course, at lower level, and then it, you expand and it has more, um, more power as you uh, raise in levels. But I, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. I, it maybe, you know, made me want to play a druid. I think it looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that actually, was, I, I think it, I think it brings the druid into a uh, into a place where people will want to play it more. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. So and that's the that's the big part of D and D next. There was been two a couple of other articles. Um, one of well, them anything, is anything special about the ranger? Um, only that they are starting off with magic. And that can be controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, some folks do not see the ranger as, as, you know, the traditional ranger has not had magic until higher levels, generally. Um, and usually then it's it's a druidic-type magic. And I think it still is. Um, but they do start off with one or two um, uh, powers at the very beginning. Uh, the paladin does, too. So, you know, uh, that's a slight change. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I think they'll have to see in play test whether or not that overpowers the class or gives them too many, you know. Uh, so, do you think these classes um, make the other sort of original iconic classes uh, seem weak? Oh, I don't think so. No, I was looking at them side by side, and I honestly don't think so. Uh, you have some additional special powers, but again, with your basic classes, you have a great deal of flexibility as far as of what you can do, at least as the way I interpret it anyway, and the way it looks to me. And so um, 
you know, sure, can you mold? You could, you've always been able to take the four general classes and mold them into a specific type of class that might mimic what a ranger or a paladin or a druid would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's always been the case. Uh, but having the specialty spelled out is not so bad either. Um, I don't want a hundred of these. <laughs> but these are all very. I mean, so far we're testing. You know, if you add the monk in there and and th- and the barbarian, you're 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 ch- you're we're playtesting some classes that have been established from very early on in the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not seeing anything really weird or strange so far, and I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a grognard anyway. How do you feel about the then these? Uh, classes being able to cast some pretty powerful spells from first level on. Or, well, maybe I should say in the case of the Druid, I find that uh, Wild Shape is, I, it, to me, it conjures the, the idea of powerful magics, even though the power itself may not be, you know, super powerful. Yeah. Uh, and so how do you feel about them all being able to cast magic at first level? Does that because you're you just said you're you know you're a grognard right. and you know traditionally you know okay in basic D and D the druid you had to be a cleric for you know what is it nine levels or something before you could even attempt to be a druidic cleric. Oh no no right? not at all no so, not at all you, know, you could start off you, the first um, first edition AD and D yeah but I, but I said basic right so oh basic in, in oh, basic okay. D and D right didn't you you had to be a cleric first. I believe right. so. And I then didn't in, play a lot of basic, but yeah. That's, yeah. And then in AD&D, they made it just a base, you know, not a basic class, but it's a, a class you could play from level one. It's a core class, right. yeah. But did you have spells? Did the oh, druid yeah. have spells? Okay. Absolutely. But not but not shape-changing. Yeah. Until later. Seventh level. Yeah, yeah. So you had to be pretty powerful to, to put, right. to, yeah. Interesting. Now, one of the things the druid does have is that... Um, uh, you have to have a, uh, you have to gain a specific feat if you want to heal from that shape change. Um, at this point, the basic natural shape doesn't allow you to heal once you change back into a human again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does if you gain a feat later on down the line. So, okay. Okay. So they've, they've nodded towards it, but, um, it's not an automatic thing. So, um, but you start off with only like one or two shapes and they're very simple. Um, uh, and so you and they add on as you gain in levels. So okay, okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like shape of you know shape of a, the sparrow or you know uh, I'm trying to remember some of the others. I'd have to look real quick, but but yeah, there it starts off slow and 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 gr- builds gradually. And that's just one of their abilities. I mean, they still have um, a lot. Of, they've added new spells and things to the playtest, um, which are more. Uh, uh, druidically oriented, you know, in nature spells, if you will, um, and so you know all the standard kind of things. But now, do the ranger and the druid pick from the same spell list? I believe that's correct. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, and these they the ranger has a favorite enemy bonus, mm-hmm. um, and it starts off again against one enemy, and I think they can add add to that as they go along. Um, it just says the new packet support has spells to support the druid and ranger. I would imagine they are probably similar, although I haven't done a really close look. So, uh, did you did you look at the exploration rules in the new packet? I looked briefly. I didn't see anything really there that was. Because um, remember, so <laughs> just for the audience, in case you haven't been following along, last the last packet, 
the one previous to this current one, they had said, oh, here's the packet, and there's going to be new exploration rules, and then there weren't. And so right. he had to come back and say, oh, you know, we took those out. Sorry, I didn't mean to put it in the announcement. And then now they did release it, and I scanned, and I didn't see anything that sort of was different. So, And, and then I just chopped it up to, oh, maybe I just I didn't read it close enough. So I was wondering what your take was on that. <laughs> well, unless the devil is in the details, I'm not seeing anything that, I w- that just broke my brain. Mm-hmm. Or in other words, I didn't see anything that didn't make immediate sense. Um, it all had to do with, you know, parsing out the time and uh, and things like that and saying, you know, exploration, you know, do it in 10-minute chunks or whatever if you're in a dungeon. You know, do it in, in half-a-day chunks or day chunks if you're out in the wilderness. And, you know, it was things along those lines, and it wasn't really anything overly complex or what I necessarily call innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, it all it made all made sense, so I guess if that's the case, um, you know, you're you, they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but... Um, but that's assuming I haven't missed a detail either, and so, but my at least at first glance, I didn't see anything that I just kind of go, oh, that's brand new. Um, so yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> but again, that's what know, I did too. I, me, I yeah, you and me, we played several versions of this game, right? So yeah, yeah, they could easily be doing a nod to something earlier in an earlier edition, and the reason right. we're not freaking out about it is because, <laughs> well, we've sort of seen that before. That's true. That's, that's you true. know, and so, but someone just coming out of four year three five or something may go, oh, well, that's new. It's like, uh, yeah. well, not really, but <laughs> and that's not okay. necessarily a bad thing. It's just, no, no, you know, of course not. No, and I, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Okay, cool, excellent. <laughs> um, one of the other things they've been talking about with D and D next, um, jumping away from classes, mm-hmm. is um, uh, talking about uh, spells. And one of the things that they were doing with 4E was, and I think everyone will recognize this, is that they wanted to try to make every power useful mm-hmm. so that when you were in combat, everything would be useful and you wouldn't have anything, any kind of wasted power. Oh, I took this power, now I can't use it because, you know, it's a fire power and we're in the middle of the frozen wasteland or whatever. Right. Okay, which is a common complaint. It, mm-hmm. it happens a lot. Right. Well, they're they're talking about going back and not concerning themselves so much with that and allowing the players to be smart enough and this is where I the reason I take it that if you have a certain power it's obviously not going to work in certain situations Mm -hmm. and your power if you use it yeah it might hurt or hinder your companions if you don't use it properly right and I think that's a good thing because it adds some kind of even when you're talking about magic not being a logical system, at least it adds some layer of, uh, at, le- at the very least, consistency in mm-hmm. how things affect the world. You know, and if you have a wall of fire, it's going to affect everybody that is around the wall of fire, not just the enemies. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's re- – to me, I like that. While I can – work the rules playing a 4e game and enjoy the fact that my powers do not affect you know it affects only enemies or you know enemies within a burst or whatever right it's gamey that's gamey for me uh-huh. and and i'd much rather have a power that you know if you're going to blast everybody you best warn your companions to get the hell out of the way because you're going to get blasted yeah you know it's yeah. just the way you know that's the price you pay for that kind of power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that uh, I love this idea. You know, if you have a wall of fog or, or a fog cloud, yeah, your allies are going to be hindered by that too. Mm-hmm. If it's in the, if they're in the fog cloud, they can't see through it either. 
It's right. just the way it is, you know. Like so, because other yeah. because think about that. If it was a fog cloud, but somehow did not affect your allies, only affected your enemies within the the space where the cloud is, right. that actually means that there's really no cloud there. What you're doing is affecting the eyesight of every enemy. Or something. Right. You, well, you have what happens. You have to make up physics. You have to make up a exactly physics. right. Yeah, and see, and I think of it in terms of biological terms. So I'm thinking, if you're standing sure. in darkness, but you see as though it's bright light, and everybody else thinks it's dark, well, that means they're blind. That doesn't right. doesn't mean that it's dark. It means they're blind. So if you have a fog cloud that affects everybody else's vision, but not the ally visions, that means you're fogging up their eye lenses, not the not the actual air. Or it's you a know? mimetic effect, and it's affecting their brain. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's affecting the sensory uh, node in some way, right? So, yeah, it, <laughs> that's interesting. And I'm glad they're thinking of it like that. Because uh, I think it forces players maybe to be a little more uh, – use a little more ingenuity in terms of how they use their powers. Oh, I agree. And, you know, it, it allows – Yes, magic is not on a basis logical because sure. it does break physical laws. But at the same time, you can establish some baseline of what physics look like. And, and this and and some of our listeners, I don't know if they follow Twitter or not, but one of the rants of one of my tw- of Twitter follower, you know, angry DM, if you've talked to him, is the <laughs> fact that does fire really burn? Mm-hmm. He goes on these rants about fire, um, whether it's really burning, you know, and that used to drive him crazy. And I can see a little bit why, because, you know, in a lot of 4E powers, he, you know, you're taking ongoing damage, but you are not on fire. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and so how does that work again? And right. so, you know, you have to come up with all these really elaborate, you know, reasons, you know, why certain things, you know, might cause damage, but yet you're not in having a physical effect. Well, I think... That's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, better off to just say, yeah, you're on fire. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, um, or you're frozen or, you know, whatever, you know, the effect. Or you've been electrocuted if you get shot with electricity. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or your skin continues to burn and melt after you fit it with acid. <laughs> you know, it, it could be debilitating even. So, you know, those kinds of things, you know, they were things that we just were used to in in the older versions, you just assumed that those kinds of things. But the neat thing about that is you can get creative with that stuff then. Right. I mean, I can remember one of my favorite scenarios is that, you know, we were in this, the steading of the Hill Giant King. Okay. Famous, you know, G1, yep. uh, G1, famous, famous module. And there are, we knew that there are a bunch of these um, orcs and hill giants at the bottom of these stairs in this big hall. Well, in another room, we had found a whole bunch of casks of, um, Alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, a bunch. And so we like rigged them to explode. Mm-hmm. And we rolled that <laughs> stuff down the stairs. <laughs> right. And boom, you know, shit gets set on fire. I mean, you know, it crisps like a hundred orcs, you mm-hmm. know. Right, it right. Debilitates most of the hill giants. And it was great because it was, you know, something creative and innovative. And our right. DM at the time was awesome enough to say, yeah, why not? You know, go for it. Yep. You know, alcohol burns, right? Sure. sure. Ball cocktails, right? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and awesome. Yeah. And, and those are the kind of things that I would expect to work mm-hmm. in, in D&D Next as well again. And I'm, I'm the, that kind of thing makes me happy. So, And I know a lot of folks that, that may not. You know, that may not be their cup of tea. Maybe, that you know, they don't see it that way. But, um, 
But anyway, yeah. Yeah. So it's good to see that they're getting they're looking at that that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So And that's really the big things that have come out of, of D and D next this month that I've seen so far. Yeah. yeah. And I you know, and at the end of the what is it, the article on um the the Legends and Lore article from the eighteenth of March, at the end he says uh you know They've just finished up basically the the next packet that and they're doing the internal tests and it has more races, more classes, and multi classing. Oh, so wow. I, I am I am sure that we'll hear a lot <laughs> about <laughs> multi classing. Uh if it comes out in the next yeah. packet. Now it's possible that it'll get stuck internally and they'll they'll have to do some twiddling and it won't it won't actually come out in the next packet, but uh uh, you know, we can hope that it does, and it'll be interesting to see the the sort of the responses to it, and to see what they actually do with it. I know there was a uh, a, a lot of um, uh, grumbling, let's say, about multiclassing in fourth edition yeah. because it I, wasn't very powerful. So, I have thoughts about multiclassing. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, I've, I've never been a big fan of multiclassing, or, um, but you know, I understand why some people have a tendency to want to do it. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I just, I'm just not one of those people. Uh, but I, I am curious what they're going to do with the system. You know, from from the mechanics standpoint and from the rules standpoint, I'm, I'm curious about it. Just as a longtime DM, I want to see. You know, what are the sort of more modern thoughts that they're going to put onto it when they're they're making this system? And while it does harken back to a lot of the sort of older feel of the game and the older ideas of the game they're also you know injecting lots of modern ideas into it so i'm i'm sort of i'm really curious about the next packet how how those modern things crashing into the more classic things are are going to come out in terms of multiclassing i'm really looking forward to that yeah it'll be interesting to see because i think you can take it two ways you can either nerf the classes significantly mm-hmm. so that you can only use one or two powers which would argue for a weak multi-class system, mm-hmm. or I think the other way you do it is you severely penalize XP like the old systems did. Right. You have both classes available to you, assume you, you're the levels that you need to. Mm-hmm. And, and you split um, your XP. To and you split it. your yeah. XP evenly between the two classes, mm-hmm. which means you raise a lot slower. Yeah. Yet you have the abilities of both classes. And, the full abilities. Know, right, the full right. abilities. Yeah. But, again, you have to... Uh, um, yeah, split that XP, which is for slower progression. So I don't know. Um, I'm never, like I said, I've never been a huge fan because it's like, well, play a class. I mean, you got one job to do. What are you trying to do too? Right. <laughs> Unless your campaign is specialized for some reason, or you're running a, a campaign where what I call hero type characters, and when I and that goes back to an old, um, I think an old Ultima reference, mm-hmm. where your where your character is like several classes at once. Right. And and you have to because you're the only person on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if that's the case, great. Then a multi-class person can fit. But if you get a standard party, I don't see the point of classic uh, multi-class. But those are my thoughts. That I, you know, I'm probably in a minority there. But <laughs> send your hate mail to yeah, exactly. The Tome Show at Gmail dot coms. Rant you. about how Randall doesn't like multi-classing. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, I welcome your comments. Thanks, yeah. fans. <laughs> That's right. That means you have fans if you get hate mail. It means you have fans. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I've never gotten hate mail. 
Um, I, you know, there's some articles uh, by James Wyatt about new creatures and how they're sort of doing creatures. Uh, this month they featured uh, the sort of dungeon creatures. So there's lots of drow, duergar, uh, and some oozes, uh, gelatinous cube and gray ooze and all that. Uh, go to those, read those. It's a relatively interesting read. You can sort of see what their thoughts are in terms of how to combine the the diff- more classical versions of those monsters with the more modern sensibilities and uh, and take a look and I'm not necessarily going to talk at length about those uh, for this podcast. We'll keep it relatively short this time since we don't have Jeff interrupting us with questions the whole time. That's right, Jeff. <laughs> That's right, Jeff. Okay, well, I want to thank Randall for being with me today. Thank Jeff for not being with me today. <laughs> to record the news, sucker. <laughs> Randall, where can we find you on the internet? Where can you find me? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at Dead Orcs. That's me. Um, you can also find me at my website, um, if I can remember it, because it's been a while since I've posted. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't bode oh. well. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> um, DeadOrcsSociety.com or slash WordPress.com. Yeah, All right. Yeah. And that's about where I'm at on the All web right, right now. So. Well, we want to thank our fans for listening and for supporting us. And by all means, go shopping at Amazon and dndclassics.com through our affiliate links at thetomeshow.com. Every uh, little bit that you spend gives us a little tiny bit back, which is always helpful to keep the show going. And don't forget to email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com with your suggestions on format and the name, which hasn't changed yet and probably won't. Hint, hint. Uh, and swing by thetomeshow.com for show notes. And until next time, this is Sam Dillon signing off for myself, not for Jeff Greiner, and for Randall Walker. That's Keep, me. That's right. <laughs> hey, you know what? Now you're not the man on the street anymore. You're the anchor. Now Jeff's the man on the street. Aha. Aha. Until next time, keep gaming, Tomites.